0: What is up everyone? This is Homie and the Dude, the father and son podcast and gaming network. What's up man? What's up? <laughs> uh, we're here today with a multi-talented Kelly Butler, who is an actual opera singer, a Twitch streamer, and a badass in the TTRPG
1: community. Welcome Kelly.
2: Hello, thank you for having me.
1: It is our absolute pleasure. Um, obviously, we know like what we know about you, but we'd love uh, you to give yourself like a little intro about like what you do and like what you what what, what 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 has kind of gotten you to this place? How did you find yourself within the world that you are currently in? G- give us a little bit of a, an intro to that in 30 seconds or
3: less.
2: Well, um, <laughs> if somebody finds out how that happened, I'd love if they would tell me <laughs> because I am... Um, I, I still kind of wonder because it, it's, it's, it's a very strange, I didn't have like an immediate cat, is gonna, I can't, sorry. Um, <laughs> I didn't have like a direct path to it nor did yeah. I plan for it. Um, yeah. Like I played D&D at home um, with my husband and my friends uh, but when I'd mentioned it, I, I can't remember exactly how it happened but somebody had posted the question Um, if stage performers who also played TTRPGs, if they found that they use the same kind of character creation for both. Uh And I said, well, yeah, you know, I think both of them kind of influence each other. Uh And I got asked to go stream a game and I, I didn't do it. I turned it down for about eight months because I didn't want to make a mistake on stream Uh and deal with all that fallout. But eventually I, I started streaming, um, I, I streamed a game on the Greyhawk channel, and from there it it just kind of snowballed.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, so now I've appeared. Um, I've done uh, premier streams for Monty Cook's Invisible Sun, which was super fun. Yeah. Uh, I've been on Wizards of the Coast channel to do um, Tales from the Mists, and now Let's Get Wild Mount is also hosted on their channel as well. Um, I've gotten to kill Matt Mercer. That's always a good memory. It's
0: <laughs> always <laughs> <That> nice. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, um, I always say that, and it's so mean because he's such a nice person. <laughs> he's such a nice person, um, and, and you know, and I've played all these different um, kinds of settings uh, that that I would never have thought what were a thing, like um, yeah. that I didn't know about, like cyberpunk and Witcher and Dragon Age. It's a running joke on the Dragon Age game. I own all the video games, I've never played them. <laughs> and yet, I I do the tabletop game, so it's hilarious because I don't know who all the NPCs are, and I make a lot of mistakes. Yeah. Um, but other than that, it's it it just kind of happened.
3: Mm.
1: So you you mentioned you know like this whole like do stage performers like use the same character creation? So uh, did did uh, you say stage? So did theater acting and stuff like that come first for you, or was it the operatics uh, that 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 you were in? uh originally, before you kind of stepped into this new like streaming uh, and and being part of actual play uh, podcasts.
2: Well, actually
0: thanks <laughs> for watching this episode. We really appreciate you supporting Homie and the Dude. Please hit us
1: with the Holy Trinity, like our Facebook page, subscribe to the YouTube channel and follow us on Instagram. Just search at Homie and the Dude. It all really helps.
2: So I went to a fine arts high school, and I originally mm-hmm. wanted to be a musical theater. Nice. Unfortunately, both my voice and myself got too big for musical theater. Um, (laughs) (laughs) There are height limits in a lot of productions, especially for women. Mm -hmm. And I'm six feet tall. Uh, It makes it a little bit difficult to share costumes um, when the other actresses probably aren't six feet tall. Mm -hmm. Um, So between that and my voice just kind of uh, gravitated towards more classical stuff. Although I do still sing musical theater because mm-hmm. there's no reason you can't do both. You yeah, can absolutely do both. It's just a matter of learning the technique to do both.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so I, I, I went to college, um, let's see, uh, 17. I went to college when I was 17 up in New York and sang my first Queen of the Night that year and just kind of went from there. But I've always loved the fantasy um, although I was not, um, I was so uncool that even the D&D kids didn't want to play with me in high school.
0: I don't believe it, but anyway, it's, No, it's, abs-
2: it's 100%. <laughs> um, and actually that kind of bullying uh, influenced a lot of okay. what I do now. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so I had read a lot of, you know, the Feyrun stories and everything else, but I'd never gotten to play. So my first game wasn't until 2006. Wow! Wow! In which so. I played a paladin, and then I was told never to play a paladin again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Bullied again! <laughs> Jeez! Oh. So, so. <laughs> it's a rough, it's a rough road. It's, it's bloody I'm just rough! Saying. Oh.
2: I, I, I swear they were bandits. If, if I had taken the time to find out before I killed them, I probably would have found out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is, we knew there was a real reason why. They, uh, so, so a lot of people get introduced to D&D through different, you know, different opportunities, different invitations and all of this. But you've had a really interesting pathway up to the, let's say, the higher echelons, the royalty of D&D. And so, how does that happen? Like, has it been because you know there's been some fortuitous situations you've had some amazing feedback in a situation that you've played in, you were noticed by someone like how does this all unfold? Because I know there's a lot of people out there saying, "Wow, you know I run a d and d session I'd love to do a streaming session, but there's a million. so like what does it even matter? Um, but're you're, you're living proof of like you know you've done it, and you've managed through this labyrinth to to be a real sort of acknowledged member of the community
2: um it's kind of a it it is a weird path because um the only reason i started streaming and this is probably really cliche and i know there's a lot of people that hate on it but um i don't care the uh Mm. when i went down to sing queen of the night in saint petersburg which incidentally that's what this background is that's the set designed for queen of the night from like
3: 1812
2: um no, no. but uh just you know sidebar information you'll never need to know in your life um <laughs> but <laughs> i was going to be gone for a month and it was the first time i had to leave my husband on his own since he'd had his multiple sclerosis diagnosis so i was kind of panicking and he said hey um you should listen to this podcast it's called critical Role it's a bunch of voice actors they play dungeons and dragons i think you'll enjoy it it'll take your mind off stuff so i did i listened to it and um it kind of, the way that they play, because they're all friends, it it showed me that it's okay if you make mistakes.
3: Mm.
2: And it's okay if you don't have this perfectly packaged image Uh of yourself, because that's what I had been trying to do. You know, when you, when you grow up being kind of ostracized, and I was younger than everybody else in my grades, um, you kind of develop a persona that makes it easier to face the world Mm. and so I developed this idea that I had to always put forth this perfect persona no one could know anything bad Mm. no one could ever think I was upset or sad or anything and um I I had a lot of people reinforce that in the opera community they were like you know don't don't talk about any of your weird stuff when you're on a job you know no one wants to know about that Or anything but ironically it's when i finally said screw it i'm gonna just be myself that's when not just the tabletop stuff took off but the opera stuff took off too Mm
3: -hmm.
2: because then when i when i co-wrote the college of the opera for bards all of a sudden fort worth opera san diego opera all these opera companies are sharing it and i'm like wow now you know who i am you know because of <laughs>
3: yeah.
2: dungeons and dragons you know yeah. uh my agent my, my former agent at one point had gotten a phone call saying don't you don't you manage that that nerdy girl and i was like well i guess if you're going to be known as something yeah. um you know so it was i think being able to finally shed that idea that i had to be perfect and that i couldn't mess up in front of anybody and, you know, for instance, I couldn't talk about mental health, and now I'm an ambassador for Take This, which is a mental health organization. Amazing. And, you know, it, we, we've done a lot of um, panels, even, about how tabletop can help you with that, because you can live vicariously through characters in a safe place where you, you can make mistakes, and they're not going to affect your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're totally. just gonna be mad at your dice for a while.
1: Yeah, <laughs> totally. And, and do you know what, like, a couple things that like i feel you so much on like i i i went through the same kind of bullying when i was younger we we, we actually lived in spain when i was growing up and being an english kid you know didn't didn't go down too well and um you know it, it's it's one of those things where you know when when you move around a lot and you get bullied and yeah you're right you build this kind of facade and for me i went a different direction i went more of like cool if I'm, I, I didn't go, I'm not, I, I went, I, I am imperfect, but instead of that, I, I went, I'm going to be a jock, you know, I'm going to do sports and I'm going to learn how to be like part of the cool kids because, you know, and, and, but truly underneath wanting to be with the DD kids who are loving fantasy and who, who in my spare time, I'm watching all of the fantasy stuff and reading fantasy books and, you know, loving anime and like all this kind of stuff. And, you know, and I think it's one of those things that you're right, that it's something that certain people learn it. I think everyone has the opportunity to learn this, but I think certain people actually learn this. And it's that being cool is being you. Cool is like, and and, and by cool, I mean like being interesting, being who you are, being all all facets of the word cool, you know, that come with that, being secure with who you are, being, you know, all, all that stuff the truth of it, the only place that that really exists is within yourself and within who you actually are. And until you become that person, until you accept that and really follow that, people don't, and often, like you said, people will see you as this person who is doing what they're doing, but they won't even like, and like you said, the opportunities opened up and it's because the passion probably wasn't there when you were living in this like false kind of you know place. It was you know, a bit fake. It was, you know, this or that. And it, it, that translates as creators to what we're creating. If you're in that headspace, it comes out and dude, funnily enough as well. I also did, um, performing arts. So I studied like performing arts and musical theater for a couple of, for two years. And if you're having a bad day, you can hear it in someone's acting. You can see it in their dancing and you can hear it in their singing. Like it doesn't matter. And so if, if you're Putting a facade on, if you're existing as something that isn't you, that also comes across in your performance because you're trying to fake on top of faking and that's already so many lies <laughs> and jungle that just doesn't work, you know? And so, and you forget it. which I,
2: lie you're supposed to be
1: telling. Exactly. And I think, you know, it's a true attest to, to, to you as a person to be able to say, you know, I shed that and became that person. And... I love that a part of that was seeing what Critical Role did, because you know what? I, I, I discovered Critical Role a few years after I kind of became a bit more okay with myself. And dude, like for me as a, uh, as a dungeon master, so I, I don't, I haven't played, actually. I've, n- I've never played, I've, I've always been a, a dungeon master. And so- I did um, once. <laughs> we were gonna ask once. you
3: that. Yeah, we,
1: Please save that. We'd love to find out how that <laughs> went. We'd love to find out how- was well, only like once. <laughs> at first and last (laughs) um but so i've like seeing matt mercer in the way that he does it and don't get me wrong he is a rules aficionado and not only is he a rules aficionado but he plays by the rules he's creating rules you know he's doing all the things around rules that one could possibly do but again like you said there's moments where he forgets things where he asks the players to read him a spell where you know and and his players bends the
2: rules because it makes sense
1: exactly and all that kind of stuff and i think it allowed me to be a lot more comfortable with making mistakes and feeling okay and don't get me wrong i still get nervous about new things and new uncharted territory and roads uncrossed and you know things like that but i think you're right in of that a lot of the positive side of the ttrpg community is this inclusive safe space that is very rare in all other aspects of life However, I, I do would also agree that there is a darker side to that in the TTRPG community of gatekeepers and people who aren't as open to, to, to that inclusion. And I think, though, the, the main thing that I felt, and I've been saying, I've been saying this, Tom, so we, we originally came from podcasts and MMA. And you can imagine, like, coming from MMA to TTRPG is a very interesting transition because we have all the, like, yeah, man, punch me in the face. Awesome, yeah. <laughs> to then really beautiful community that's like, we support you. We love you. What you're doing is amazing. And it was so beautiful to come and be a part of that. So the majority seems positive. I'll yeah. say that there's corners of darkness and everywhere, but the yeah. majority. And I think also
2: over. you, you unfortunately had to deal with something else that I, I deal with in a different way. Mm-hmm. But I, people always jump down my throat as soon as I say something about it but unfortunately a lot of the the men in this community are are especially in the U.S. are suffering from this from let's just be honest toxic masculinity Mm -hmm. it's toxic you know you you decided I'm going to be a jock because that's what's accepted that's what people want to see this is what men do and it's just it's so hurtful and When I say toxic masculinity, people automatically are like, oh, you hate men. I don't hate men at all. I don't want my friends to be hurt. Mm.
3: Yeah. And it
2: hurts, it hurts men because they're they're raised with this. Don't show emotion. Don't do this, you know. For God's sake, there was one person that said on Twitter, don't ever apologize. Real men don't apologize.
3: Like, what?
2: (laughs) Don't do that. Um, and and you will bring that energy to the table. Yeah. Yeah you will bring that energy to the table and streaming or not you the other players will feel it Mm -hmm. the other players will know
0: yeah you know what kelly i was gonna just say you know who also feels it like somewhere deep down inside if you're holding that veneer up you're paying for it as well like you really are like and you know because you've held it up and Bodhi, you've like I didn't, I didn't, you guys have discovered this a lot younger than I did. I was like well into my forties when I was still wanting to be perfect and wanting to be like on top of my shit and successful. Just, and, yeah, just successful yeah. and be like yeah. impervious to anything. Right. Just confident in all this stuff. And I just, it was so much work and so much stress, like behind the scenes to, to, to pull up that lie that it was a relief. It was like liberating to just be like, you know what I am as flawed more flawed because i've been doing this shit for my entire life i'm more flawed than most people because they knew you know there's no one that's perfect so let's just all admit it we're all full of shit
2: and we all have problems so come on
0: let's look. can we just get that out of the way and now just kind of communicate like people
2: yeah (laughs) Um, absolutely and i'm not i'm not saying that i i manage that on a daily basis of course like Mm -hmm. there's still times when i'm like no i can't show anybody that i'm hurt by this i can't Show anything like right now, and I, I've been trying. My husband is, is, has been a real catalyst to help me here, um, to be on, more honest and open about mm. things. And like, let's face it, we just came through a pandemic in which opera singer we lost everything.
3: Mm.
2: Performers, stage performers yeah. especially, we lost everything. Yeah. You know, and I mean, Most some of my friends, yeah yeah exactly like i've got friends who are among the top five percent of performers in the world and i'm nowhere near that and what Mm. i lost sent me down a really dark path yeah Yeah. and now things are starting to open back up and you know you start to see announcements from people both opera and stage tabletop and then you open up your own calendar there's nothing there
3: Mm, yeah
2: you know and so it's it's this feeling where you have to be honest that yeah you're you're scared and you're hurt and you're depressed Mm. because it 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 feels like an uphill battle that it's it's like sisyphus you never make it to the top (laughs) no matter how hard you try Mm -hmm. you just keep pushing the rock and it just rolls back and crushes you but you know so while I, I I understand what it's like to be more open and emotionally vulnerable, I still hate it in a way.
1: Yeah. Um, Do you know what I think, I think the beautiful thing is about (laughs) all of life is just, it's this like menagerie of information that you either choose to absorb or you don't. It's coming at you and you have to absorb it and you either do or you don't. And I you know, like you said, we can take lessons on, like we can learn, you know, being yourself is cool. Amazing. I was told that as a kid. Now I did not, I didn't absorb that. Like, you know, it's it, it's funny. I had my parents telling me that I had other adults, you know, I, I had my drama teacher who in high school was also the dungeon master for our school. Um, he would tell us that, you know, that that is like, and he would say, you know, I, and he would literally say in front of all of us, in front of the whole class, he'd be like, the wallflowers amongst you—I'm not going to name you—will be the ones who will shine later in life because you have been, you know, honest with who you are, and, and you've allowed it, and you've learned, and you've allowed years of this knowledge to be brought into you. As opposed to, like Tom said, you know, if you're in your 40s and you break that wall down, and then you start accepting that information, you know, you're behind. You're 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 mm-hmm. you're further back on the scale of of that knowledge path. And I think we're all on that path to different degrees. Now, you know, Kelly. You might be up here and I might be back here. We're both valued in of that we're on the path, but at the end of the day, it's not anyone unless you are the Dalai Lama. Like realistically, and that guy probably still has issues. I imagine he probably still has nightmares every now and then. Like you, you know, unless you are some ethereal being, you cannot live without fault. You cannot live without mistake, and you cannot live. Without you know learning something, and then at some point accidentally tripping up and doing that mistake, and be like, God damn it, son of a bitch, I've done that. I have made that mistake a hundred times. I have learned a hundred times, and I still made it the hundred and first time. Son of a bitch, you know. But it's something that, as long as you are working, actively working to be better, I think that's the big difference. In that, it's not your fault if you're making the mistake if you are trying. However, if you're not trying, then that's a whole nother conversation. And there's a I big mean? block yeah.
0: of the, co- of the co- there's a big block of the population that either isn't aware mm. or does not give a shit.
3: Mm-hmm. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, you know, I think that's the. Falls back into the toxic masculinity, which, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, talked about, you know, in a, in a light of like, when you mentioned it earlier, you talked of it in a light of like, oh, it's, it, I feel sorry for men that this is a thing. And Uh, I also will bring it back into a a slightly more negative light of, you know, if you are unable to see when someone is telling you that you are acting in that way, then that is something that is a problem. It's not, Oh, 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 woe is me. Like I've, I've got toxic masculinity. If you're not working to solve that issue, then again, it's, it's part of the problem where, again, I do come back to, and I, I agree with you. If a guy isn't aware of it, they're doing something, they get made aware of it and begin making changes to, to be better whole nother scenario and that's one of woe is me 100 you didn't realize bro and i got you you're sorted now be be good ally on the path of allyship and and positivity go <laughs> for oh don't okay. even and,
2: and don't don't even be an ally be an accomplice be the getaway driver yeah. you exactly. know
1: you know be a party too
2: <laughs> and, and and remember that you know like as much as we might have been hurt by by all this institutionalized crap remember that you've got some friends who have been hurt by it a lot more you know and instead of trying to center yourself on a conversation maybe just listen Mm. listening can do wonders for you you know yeah and and that that comes right back around to tabletop and performance because unless you're doing a one-man show and even then i could argue against it that no one person makes a show. No, it's just not how it works. Yeah. And part of being a good colleague is listening. You have to actively listen. It's an action. It's a free action, actually, um, <clears throat> as is shutting the hell up. But, um, <laughs> but if you don't listen to your colleagues on stage, you're not going to be able to react the way your character would. You can't just say, okay, well, you know, okay, I have to sing this line and then I have to walk stage right for a few minutes and then I have to stand there and look at them while they sing this line. And then I completely unbelievable, completely uninteresting. No one wants to see it. Mm-hmm. No one wants to see it. But if you actively listen and say, oh, this is why I have to do this.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: It works across the board. It works in your life. It works at the table. It works on stage. It works if you, if you're in business, if you are a businessman, if you're a lawyer, I mean, just seriously, it, it, it works across the board that you have to learn to collaborate and you have to learn to listen to other people and what they have to say. And I was really lucky because, you know, um, my dad was in military. He was in military for 21 years. And, you know, there, there's a lot of people that would immediately assume, oh, military guy, you know, tough, didn't sure he was tough and he also would sit and i watched him cry his eyes out after you know we lost a pet after something bad happened and he made sure to tell me and my brother you know and it was obviously reinforced by my mom who is pretty much an angel on earth um (laughs) much better person than me um it was reinforced that you know there's nothing wrong with this Uh. There, there's there's nice. nothing wrong with it and i just i wish that i mean i wish i could learn that lesson sometimes mm-hmm. because it's, yeah. it's an it's an active lesson i don't think it's anything you ever say okay got an a plus don't have to work at it anymore
0: yeah it's so like that that moment where I, I think we're talking about like vulnerability that moment where it's time to be vulnerable is so scary it is so scary like when you to really be vulnerable i you know constantly feel like the easier path is just to be like nope i'm not gonna do that to open (laughs) up like just take that one little step forward you feel you know it's like a multiplier and once you but once you get out there and you're in that space and you realize 99 out of 100 times people around you are going to take care of you in that space they're not going to be mean to you in that space they want you to be you know they're going to hold their hands out and carry you if you need to be you know held in that space yeah yeah and those people that wouldn't do that, you know, like, move, yeah, you don't need those people. So, yeah, but I, but to your point of it's, it's, it's a continual, like, battle Mm -hmm. every single time that that happens where it's time, you know, whether it's someone's talking about an old memory or something new that's coming up that is, you know, difficult or emotional or whatever, those are really tough moments, and they come, you know, they keep coming, and I guess the, the lesson for me as an older dude is to continually try to stay as like I missed one with you if three minutes into this podcast where you said you know I I was shunned by the D&D community and I went right I didn't listen to you and I was like oh yeah right and then I realized no you're really actually you're really having a you know telling us something and that was important to you and so that type of like deep listening but also acknowledging is is super important and and the great thing is we have opportunities pretty much every day to practice this.
2: 100%. Um, and and also, it's it's something to remember is that the person you see now is not the person from 20 years ago. Those 20 years have made the person you see now. Uh-huh. That lifetime has made the person you see now. And it actually, what you were just saying, comes around to something that is really important that we talked a little bit about before we started recording which is like being safe at the table and being safe like on stage. Like every time I've done, I've I've been very lucky in most of my my male co-stars, actually most all of them on stage. And all of them are like, you know, let's walk through this scene where I'm going to have to, you know, get really physical with you, whatever else, Mm -hmm. let's find out what's okay, what's not okay. Mm -hmm. And that also needs to be done at the table you know there's a great there's literally somebody wrote a guide for it the safety toolkit it's great uh we use it on let's get wild mount and what's funny is it will hit you and i'm sure as a performer and as a dm probably you understand this but um it'll hit you at weird times like you will have your as we call it lines and veils like these are things that i absolutely don't want in the the conversation these are things that we can touch on but then kind of move on pretty quick Mm. um but then there will something will happen and it's not something that you even thought to include yeah you know i had somebody commented on one of the let's get wild mouths they're like oh kelly's kelly's so good in this in this moment where you know she's being rejected and and belittled by this other person i'm like yeah it's almost like i know what that's like (laughs) (laughs) you know and until gil was doing it like when when you hear the tone of voice and the words and it just all of a sudden you just want to like shrink down into your chair and you're back like the kid that ate their lunch in the library who never went to recess um you know all of that informs your not just your life but your performance and how you play. And the DM is a player. I hate to tell everybody that thinks they're not, but the DM is a player.
3: Mm. Yeah,
2: They're just a player who does a lot more work.
1: <laughs> I appreciate you saying that. <laughs> um, but you know what, like, I, I think you're, you're, you're more than right, you know, and I think, you know, so, so interesting. I'll, I'll tell you a wild fact. So the first time we ran a group, I didn't do a session zero because I wasn't, I wasn't savvy. No, no one told me about the session zero. I wasn't aware. No one gave me the, hey, by the way, something you want to do is ask your players what they're okay with and what they're not okay with before you jump into telling a story in usually fancy worlds, some of the most gruesome and like brutal worlds that exist in like conception, you know, with laws. Hey everybody, let's
2: go play in Conan's world. It'll be fine. We don't need to talk (laughs) about anything first. Mm. Exactly,
1: exactly. So. I think I, I like i missed the beat so hard that when we then ran our second campaign with the same group and we we did our uh, we did our and it was a home group, um i was like it has to be part like we were adamant about it being part and and it was something that i like was so i felt so shit after the first time not doing it that like it's something that we've talked about in one of our videos that it's so important to have that in there you know and it's something that is so vital and, and not only that it informs you in story ways as well as with other, it because it gives you direction and of that you're like cool as a dm while i'm creating if if it is uh, you know a predominantly homebrewed situation or or whether you're playing out of a setting but you go cool that part of the map has things that are no goes so that doesn't exist we're getting rid of that like that doesn't exist you know so it's it does give you like a whole lot more information for a lot of different reasons, not just making the people at the table sat around who. By the way, unless you're you know doing something like where you're you're hopping on a one shot stream for a charity or something like that, these are your friends. These are people that you probably are gonna play with for you know a standard campaign. You're looking at like six months, you know a year, maybe you know something you know, a couple of months where you're gonna be spending time with these people you don't want to be clashing heads or doing things that hurt each other or evoke bad emotions or things like that. Something I want to put to you that I think off the back of that is an interesting space because obviously with avoiding things that are hard areas comes also the space of being vulnerable in games and having sensitive moments. You know, I think you know, a, a lot of D and D, and I'm not sure if you feel this or TTRPGs, are a lot of it is comedy. A lot of it is like, haha! You know, I know I rolled a natural one, and there's like some funny moment here, and then, you know, it's it's finding the the light in a lot of situations. And I think a lot of why people love CR and you know, like Dimension 20, and you know, and the high rollers and people like that is because they do have these moments that are like, whoa! Like I'm gonna take a second back, and I'm actually. Like I'm going to tell the person next to me who's talking to like, shh, one second, I'm listening to this scene that is really intense and there's a lot of emotion being thrown around here and a lot of people are like feeling things and like someone's like tearing up and someone, you know, and I think I want to ask you, where do you find like those moments? where Where, where with the sensitivity stuff and whatnot, how do you find navigating that so that you can still have, those beautiful moments of acting and, 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 and uh, pain in some cases and things like that.
2: Um, well, first off, just to piggyback, I would also add onto your list of, of shows that do that to you, um, Into mm. the Motherlands and Rivals of Waterdeep, of both course, of yeah. them. Um, Into the Motherlands is, is DM by my friend Eugenio. And mm. if you watch Eugenio, and really if you watch any good DM, if you watch mm-hmm. Eugenio, you watch Matt. Uh, rivals rotates their DMs. Um, pretty much all the DMs I've worked with, um, Gil included, they check in with their players mm-hmm. visually,
3: mm-hmm.
2: like on, on Critical Role. You could see Matt doing it all the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, you you see him check in, and they're friends, so they know. Yeah, but um, you know, th- there's a lot of of topics. You know that might affect you that you you say okay you know maybe this is something i'm ready to explore in a place that is safe
3: mm-hmm.
2: but just in case you're not on a stream and in in um in real life honestly but especially on a stream you use that backstage chat and you have um x and o cards
3: mm. basically
2: tell them nope Or this is okay. And then there's the other one, which all of a sudden my brain is shot. Um, And there's a third one that's like, "Mm, we're kind of getting close to a a line here. And that Mm -hmm. way you don't have to explain anything. Yeah. You don't have to say to another player or whatever, you know, this is why I don't like that because I will die on the hill of you don't owe anybody your trauma ever. Mm -hmm. They are not entitled to your trauma. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: And so if you don't want to explain it, you don't have to. You know, Mm -hmm. it's your choice if you want to explore that in game or you don't. Mm -hmm. And good DMs facilitate that. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: And often it's the funniest characters who will give you the most moments like that. Yeah. yeah. Look at Laura Bailey.
1: 100%.
2: (laughs) Sam and Campaign one. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. The entire cast is amazing. And what people, you know people seem to think that every stream has to be like critical role well are you all professional actors probably not (laughs) are you all voice actors that have taken accent lessons and diction lessons probably not Mm. just have fun sit down have fun you know that said it's I prep very differently I play a lot of games with strangers
1: yeah um yeah yeah. I was was gonna say that I was good that was like I was going to say, how, how do you find navigating that territory? Because you are playing with a lot of people. I know you're on a bit more of a rolling kind of
2: freelance,
1: we'll call it. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's freelance <laughs> anymore. Um, no, no no agent, you know? <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, so you'll have campaigns like with Mount. I knew Omega
3: mm-hmm.
2: and I knew Gil. Mm-hmm. Had, I'd played a couple games, charity games with Omega. Um, and obviously we bonded over, you know, the shit that is being a performing artist in the United States at any given time, but especially during a pandemic. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's cut all the arts projects for football. I can picture, um, I can hmm. picture a
0: couple of like virtual, like, you know, whatever your beverage is, you know, you guys kicking back and just having-
2: <laughs> Oh, it know, wasn't even virtual. It, it was straight up <laughs> was um,
3: We're
2: like, is it after 12? Um, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, Aki and, and Nick, and Mike, both Mikes, Mike and Michael, um, I hadn't gotten the chance to play with them that much. Mm -hmm. So, so um, it was very interesting and it happens a lot with the charity games too. And it's kind of an unknown quantity. Mm -hmm. So you go in there and, you know, say somebody's auctioned off seats at a table. Mm -hmm. You have no idea what you're gonna get into. So you're relying on the tools that you have to make sure it doesn't go anywhere it shouldn't yeah you know and most of the time charity one shots are fun mm. it remains the only time i've ever played a level 20 character which was <laughs> amazing
3: <laughs>
2: because b dave walters let me play a level 20 college of the opera bard, and wow. of course notorious natural ones from me so I was like, I'm going to use, he, he introduced, um, you know, Empyreans, right? Because you're uh, the yeah. DM. Yeah. So I think he introduced three Empyreans <coughs> against us. Yeah. And you're like, they're like, what are you going to do? And everybody's looking at each other like, this sucks. And I was like, <laughs> I'm going to use my level 20 bard ability where I can <laughs> basically... We wrote it very carefully because we like Hannah and I didn't really like the verbiage around charm person or control Mm -hmm. person. The way it works is that you capture their soul for 24 hours.
3: Yeah. Yeah,
0: we saw that.
2: So Dave's like, oh yeah, sure. Go ahead, try it. (laughs) I got a nat 20, he got a nat (laughs) one. So I basically had a giant toy for 24 hours. (laughs) Um, you know, and Uh, Just a lot of it relies on what really is the social contract. Yeah. The social contract of, you know, don't be a dick.
3: Yeah.
2: You're always, you're going to find people that are that way sometimes. And you have the optimal choice of just not sitting at a table with them again.
1: Yeah, of course.
2: Uh, You know, on an auctioned off table, a lot of times it'll be a guest DM. Yeah. And like two guest players. And then they'll auction off the rest of the seats.
3: Yeah.
2: I never accept unless I know who the DM and the other player is.
0: Really? Okay. So that's even that's if your... I just know
2: them by reputation.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You
2: know, um, I would never not play with someone because I don't know them personally or I haven't um, played with them before. Yeah. But, you know, if you've got a reputation for being a gatekeeper or being misogynistic at the table or whatever. I have no obligation to sit at that table with you. Yeah. Yeah. And totally. it doesn't it, it's not even when it's directed just at me. You know, we've had people come into Wildmount chat and be like, "Oh, do you really need your pronouns on on screen?" Yes. Mm-hmm. We do. Yeah. That's the simple answer. Yeah. You know, and um yeah, it's yeah. it's not only to remind the chat, but
1: it's also like to remind each other while you're playing and because Guess what? Like, even at this point, Apple employees have their fucking pronouns on their badges they walk around. It's important, guys. Like, like let's get on board.
2: Jeez. Um, um, and I've messed up. The- like, I've straight up messed up. I've oh. messed up people's pronouns on huge live streams. Mm. And the important thing is to, that... Um,
0: Just to admit in it. In general, you'll
2: get corrected very nicely. They don't make yeah. a big deal out of it. And then you just correct your sentence and move on yeah yeah you know
1: um
2: you don't double down
0: yeah no Uh, like (laughs) are there people are there people doing that there people actually doubling down in that you've i mean i'm sure there are but man i am not
2: going to say any names but let's just say a certain company that recently decided to have some interesting times on twitter
1: Oh, oh, I know. Oh, okay. I know what you're about. Right? Okay. <laughs> Sorry. So suddenly just clocked in.
2: You know what? We'll,
1: we'll, we'll skip over that and we'll yeah. uh, we'll, 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 we'll look into, uh, do you know what? You mentioned your College of the Opera subclass mm-hmm. and uh, we, we purchased it. We haven't, we've had oh, a look thanks. at it and we, we absolutely love it. We think it's a phenomenal subclass. Uh, you know, I, in do you know what's interesting? So I read the stand. Have you gotten to blow out
2: somebody's eardrums yet?
1: No, no, not yet. Not yet. I want to though. <laughs> we do have a bard on our. We just
0: purchased it uh, a, a bit ago, and just you know, kind of went through it, but we haven't actually played it yet. But we do have a bard that's part of our um our group that we're so. The hope is that um, that she will reconsider and take it on. She hasn't seen it yet, so we're going to. The, the it.
2: shatter the shatter ability is is pretty useful.
1: That's all. <laughs> <laughs> it's a uh, you, you know, what I, I love about it is I felt the standard bard subclasses especially in the player's handbook we're very not bardy is that a like is, is that a fair thing i don't want to i don't want to say it and be that guy but i i'm sat there going in a bard of lore i'm like i i understand where you're going there and i get the like concept but i'm also like i felt like there was there should be like a poet like i was expecting like when i opened the book there to be poetry option or like you know this and that and i was like it feels like it locks you into to something a little bit more. And I, what I really like about the subclasses that are coming out for BARD, like yours being one, I, I saw another one that was like the College of, of Metal. And I was like, I like uh, that. CB, are, I think
2: has the acapella Yeah, exactly. Yeah, You know, mm-hmm. it's
1: just, it's one of those ones that I think I felt really underwhelmed by the BARD subclasses, which is why I was never inspired mm-hmm. to... As a DM, if I were to play it, bard literally wasn't one that ever crossed my mind because of the standard options that were there. But with things like your subclass, I would hella play a bard. You know, it gives Mm -hmm. you something to really. And furthermore, I love like the stylist. I love that it's becoming more of a thing. I'm not sure if it, 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 at least what I'm noticing, it seems to be happening more. Is that people are talking about you know how my vicious mockery sounds, based a lot more off of my subclass and. That's cool. Do you know what I mean? I like that level of depth in this kind of stuff um, mm-hmm. a lot more. And adding a College of Opera, adding a College of Metal, adding a College of cappella really allows the player to stylize the way they do their spells in a way that s- makes it so much more juicy and interesting, I find. I- I'm if not you sure really you-
2: want to ruin your DM's day,
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> take the College of the Opera with its, what, three extra exotic language choices? Yeah. Uh, and then take the anthropology background with its three extra <laughs> language choices in addition to the two that your character already gets.
1: <laughs> and speak everything. Never,
2: the DM will never be able to say, does anybody speak? Yes. <laughs> I do actually. Um, and really what what made the College of the Opera come about, um, and I know that it also influenced uh, the, the same thing that influenced me to do called the opera influence cb as well um but like in the classical music world especially you will get a call sheet you know Uh up on the thing and you'll routinely hear oh the musicians are here where are the singers and i'm like (laughs) you know we we almost get uh and it's definitely changing for the better but you know there's almost this feeling that the singers aren't at the same level uh, as Mm. musicians you know because you know we don't have an instrument (laughs) (laughs) tell that to my student loans thank you um (laughs) but uh so i noticed you know voice is kind of a a throwaway in the the player's Mm. handbook but it's not listed as an instrument Mm, yeah you know Yeah, yeah um and really the, the handbook is a guide people forget that you know it's just a, a jumping off point yeah. you can have a bard that does interpretive dance and those can be fantastic you know of course um it, it comes back to like now everybody like people will say to me oh i'm sorry and like my bard doesn't i can't sing so my bard." i was like why you don't have to mm. you know um I've played bards that don't sing. Yeah. You know, um, it's it's obviously secret, I get asked to play bards a lot, like when we do the charity games.
1: Mm. I was going was, I was to ask you, I was going to say, do you find yourself having to play the College of Opera bard role a lot? Is that like because you've created it do you fall into that a lot? Are you like
2: stuck doing that? I've done, yeah, like, I think,
3: I think I've done it a couple of times.
2: Yeah, I think I've done a couple of times. The reason I made Odessa is because I wanted to do something no one expected. because i knew everybody expected a bard Bard. yeah because i was so excited when the ruby of the Sea was introduced and matt legit put an opera singer in wild Mm. mount i was like why do i not have cosplay skills like i don't have the skills to do this um but i think everybody was expecting a bard Mm. and you know i really do love bards but it almost feels like that's what people—the the only thing people think you know how to do.
1: Yeah, it's like the actor gets stuck doing comedy movies, and then you know they—it's not—it's not the—it's not the, the be-all and end-all for you at all.
2: No, I mean, it, if you look at—I'm um, trying to think of a really—I mean, Robin Williams was a fantastic example uh, when it comes to drama and comedy. Yeah. Kevin Klein is another example. Yeah. but uh, Tim Curry. Um, oh, I love Tim Curry. Um, right. <laughs> I love him so much.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and a really great example is Emma Thompson. So yeah, if you yeah. haven't seen it, Emma Thompson um, played Mrs. Lovett in the Lincoln Center, Sweeney Todd. Mm-hmm. Opposite, Brent Turfel, who is one of the world's leading opera singers. Yeah. She had him to the point where he had to turn up stage because he was laughing so hard.
3: <laughs>
2: you know, she's not... You know it, it's not who you'd expect yeah but sometimes by casting people that you don't expect or letting people step way outside the zone that you are used to seeing them in you get amazing results
3: yeah you know yeah. neither omega where-
2: nor myself are playing bards yeah in that yeah. and i think somebody like people were expecting one of us
3: yeah
1: but no and do you know what? i think it, it really does it lends to that, you know, and I think you're not wrong that in, in often cases throwing throwing someone into that curveball position means that they surprise you and surprise is often really, really nice. Do you know what I mean? It feels good to see, you know, Kelly playing something. I can gunslinger. That's fucking awesome, you know, kind of thing, you know, and I think. Uh, you know, I, I, I was, I was worried when, when me and Tom were talking about, you know, having your, I was, I was worried that I was going to ask, you, you know, are, are you stuck playing the College of the Opera? Or are you gonna be like, yeah, It's all anyone ever lets me do. I just want to be a druid. Man. Like, you know, I, like. I do play I'm a so, druid I'm, in
2: our home game. I play amazing. a druid, one of our home games. Um, I am a dipsy druid who I've been trying to commit. My best friend is the DM. Now, this is the game that I was the DM for the co-DM for, for a while. no longer um (laughs) i have been trying to get my best friend to let me see a plesiosaur for months and she's like kelly we're inland where would you see it and how would you use it i'm like that's not the point (laughs) the point is i want to be able to do it (laughs) you know um and one of the things actually ironically that i do pigeonhole myself into Mm -hmm is I almost always play tall characters because when I don't I forget and they'll be like you can't do that you know in Dragon Age I play dwarf yeah and it's completely like oh I go to climb up on my horse they're like well that's nice do you have a stepping stool I was like wait what
0: (laughs) 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 no I just kind of reach my leg over and
2: I'm on (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, you know, my, my husband um, is DMing another home game that he's kind of adapted uh, from 5e into the Chrono Trigger world, into an alternate okay. timeline Chrono Trigger. And he homebrewed a few classes based on those things. So he, like, adapted an artificer mm-hmm. to be, like I don't know if you've ever played Chrono Trigger, um, to be, like, a machinist that does, like, magical machines. Also. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to do that. And I'm going to be from the orphanage. I'm going to be like 14. Promptly forgot that I was a kid.
3: <laughs>
2: and walked out and like bumped into a cop who was like, why aren't you in school? And I was like, uh, I graduated. They're like, what? It's like, yeah, I'm on a field trip. They're like, which one is it? I was like, I don't know. Why are you asking me these questions? Like, it's it's because I don't, my my brain doesn't function when i can't reach the top shelf in the grocery store i think um but i have there's some classes i haven't played Mm -hmm. because i just don't i think i might not be as good at them Mm -hmm. and also if they get really crunchy rules wise yeah um i can get a little frustrated
3: yeah
1: that's understandable
2: yeah Yeah. like i played a sorcerer um no no, kelly you didn't you played a wizard (laughs) You played a wizard. You played a wizard. I always, mm. and I was forever going, Well, how many spells do I actually know? And how many do, like, what do I get? And I was finally, I was like, Why am I doing this to myself? Yeah. You know, yeah, uh, I, I love being it. able to cast, but, uh, you know, I'm not saying I don't enjoy rules. Rules are there for a reason. I, I you know, I was definitely in Team Liam for the president of D Beyond, you know, and he mm-hmm. ran on a rules platform. But, <laughs> yeah. but um, I think sometimes it's it's very tempting to get caught up in the rules. Yeah. And, what you meant? Yeah. Go ahead.
0: No, I was just going to say you mentioned something. Um, just a little bit of a circle back to mm-hmm. this element of, you know, I don't play shorter characters because mm-hmm. um, sometimes I forget,
3: mm-hmm.
0: and it's a really interesting point because this this area of really embodying your characters is pretty important
3: mm-hmm. to,
0: especially for those higher levels of, you know, especially when you get into a stream or something mm-hmm. that has a little bit of exposure, there's, there's uh, additional eyes on you that would make it, make it important. Do you, and I know from an acting perspective, I did a bit of acting and I know you have as well, both of you have, and there's, there's a certain process to get you prepared to embody a character personality the traits the
1: mannerisms the idiosyncrasies mm-hmm. and all of this you're asking if she puts her shoes on the ground and puts her knees in her shoes to get, <laughs> into, a <short> <laughs> knee- <laughs> to get into a smaller character's mind frame? i mean maybe i don't know <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: but yeah do you do do you do anything especially when you're prepping for like okay I'm, I'm i'm in a you know in a campaign and with a setting and with a team that i need to be on my game do you do anything in particular that Great gets you in that space where you're really just remembering as much as you can those those minor characteristics of, of uh your character
2: so like when it comes to the actual campaign like i'm a terrible note taker mm. and we are very lucky because because we have michael and wild mount and michael is a wonderful note taker <laughs> and he makes those notes public um for the rest of us but i approach creating a character in d the same way I approach creating a role uh-huh. in an opera or on stage. Because like, if you think about it, every character I play in opera, every song I sing in opera, it's a cover.
3: Mm-hmm. I'm basically
2: covering however many artists have done this before. So how am I supposed to make it interesting?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, with the exception of the one world premiere thing I did, everything else has been, this has been heard a million times. Yeah. so you have to approach or at least i do um you, you put something of yourself in the character
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know we all know and you know you're gonna even if you don't want to admit it to yourself we all know that our first D character is just us you know it's just <laughs> yourself that you went through into the, the fantasy world so you true. know we all have one and it's usually the first but after that you know i put a little bit of myself in every character because that's where you can always come back to to ground yourself Mm. you know if you forget something um you go back to the the thing that you remember and generally you can find where you were going yeah and my mom actually to she helped me learn this because when i was young they told my parents at that time they didn't believe girls could have adhd Mm. so my parents had to fight fight pretty hard so my mom at the time without any support from from you know the schools or anything else she was trying to find ways to to help me and so she would wait for me to make one of those completely illogical jumps Mm. from this thought to this thought and then she'd tell me to stop and she wanted me to trace how i got from point a to point b because she knew there was a path somewhere yeah and that's how the the characters work you you give yourself grounding points Mm -hmm. that you can go back to if you feel you're going a little bit too far afield yeah um i what is important is as much as i hate taking notes um making even stream markers like noting down um what time it happened and going back yeah revisiting your interactions with other players Mm -hmm. because that way you can help the other player get their story moving or, you know, get the other player to talk more or, you know, just have their character kind of blossom,
3: Mm.
2: you know, because it's on us to help each other do that, which goes right back to active listening. But um, I, I will rewatch sections of streams
3: Mm. that
2: I can remember what I did because you do get carried away sometimes. when you're being a little weird and uh, you forget what you did at any given time especially in the dragon age game
3: (laughs) (laughs) it gets wild (laughs) it it gets it
2: gets a little so what if I convinced everybody but myself that there was a fertility ritual they all had to get naked and go skinny (laughs) and I I rolled really well on convincing them
1: (laughs) awesome that's just standard isn't it well iron bull didn't mean
2: any convincing iron bull was just like yeah let's go um (laughs) but yeah i I think yeah connecting it to yourself in some small way yeah you know and there's 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 only been one opera role i've never i that i was unable to do that with Mm. and ironically it was the one that was the workshop where i was the first person to do the character
1: (laughs) okay interesting Mm. and i couldn't
2: i couldn't connect to it at all
1: Oh. that's super interesting and do you know what, like you you mentioned a l- lot of really nice stuff there you know about uh, about helping your other players and something that uh, we had a, a dungeon master on from the cast die podcast uh called Mark and he he said he was like one of the most important things for role play for him and that he tells his players is whoever you're role playing with make them look great in the scene and they will return it and the scene will be amazing that is how, and do you know what, it, and the fact that you said that in the exact, almost the exact same words, you were like borderline same words, you know, it, it just re like, it, it sinks that nail even deeper into the coffin, you know, it, 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 it <laughs> lets us know, you know, and it's so true that when you are sat there with other people, if you are, and, and we, have, I'll be gentle when I say this, we have a player in our home group who um, enjoys the limelight. To, 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 to say the least, he he very much enjoys it, and he's, he he does well uh, restraining himself, but however, typically three hours in and a couple of beers down, that restraint loosens a, a little bit and a, and begins to take over. but what I find is that when he really is trying to make other people shine, it ends up with that this beautiful interplay and he ends up being one of our best role players when he is doing that Mm -hmm. but then again two three hours in two three beers in as well is when he also then flips to one of the worst players at the table you know yeah i mean
2: it's 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 and that's the other reason dms have to people give dms a lot of shit oh no am i allowed to say shit anyway
1: yeah i just said it twice (laughs)
2: it's
1: okay at least
0: (laughs) oh no that's okay
2: camera i'm here i know i'm really pale there we go um my camera doesn't like me um, but dms take a lot of shit um they get a lot of blame for things whatever else i already said the dm's a player and i am 100% behind that but the dm is literally doing that for everybody
3: mm.
2: they so, are letting everybody else shine
0: mm, yeah you
2: know it's like
0: it's not even le- it's not just letting they're hoping they're like they're
2: helping so yeah
0: they're yeah hoping and helping right it's they they they're inviting for that because that 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 shine is
1: it's euphoric for the whole group it regar- it regardless mm-hmm. of whoever is shining I think that's one of the things that a lot of people who do enjoy the limelight miss when other people are being the hero of that moment and it's one of the reasons why I love being a DM because I can let each individual player mm-hmm. have their moment of taking that limelight and I think you know when you aren't when you aren't appreciating that like you know I think I don't know how I'm trying to say this but when you are sat back and someone else does something awesome, you can really feel the same level of energy if you let yourself. And I think as a DM, it's how we get our joy out of this is we sit there and watch you guys enjoy something, or we sit there and see you guys, you know, make a decision or something that's really awesome or come up with something creative. And we live vicariously through your joy. We're like, Oh, you know, kind of thing. And I think, It's one of those things that you're 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 right, and furthermore, like I'll I'll be gentle in saying this as a DM, but make your DMs look like the hero as well. Give the NPCs a moment shine. You know, like a great example of that is Mm -hmm. Galer in Fantasy High in Dimension Twenty. This character is a doofus who literally has like nothing to give this plot, but somehow with the players allowing him to have these moments, he's Easily one of the best characters across the whole show. And it's we won't even talk
2: about like Pumat Soul and Sean Gilmore. And exactly, I mean, Gilmore is love, but um, (laughs) Gilmore's, but I mean, like, I I saw something the other day that I retweeted because it really made sense, which is you know, don't cut off the villain when he's monologuing Mm. because that's your DM saying goodbye to their character.
1: Yeah, Mm, I love that.
2: You know they've they've lived with this character as long as you've lived with yours
3: Mm. you know
2: and especially in a homebrew campaign where they've made it
3: Mm.
2: you know it's it's you have to give props and that's another reason like i don't dm anymore i could not deal with it i couldn't deal with people doing the thing i do
3: which (laughs) is
2: oh what's that and like running off Like my husband will never let me forget that we did a a Halloween thing that he did a homebrew for. He built all these beautiful maps, all this great lore. (laughs) And we said, what's that over there? He goes, oh, that's an old abandoned church. Where did we go?
1: Ah, the The abandoned church that had no map. The one who said abandoned, it was over.
0: (laughs) Yep. yep. Yeah. It's like, you got to put yourself in like a teenager's mindset, right? An abandoned (laughs) church? Of
3: course, that's where we're going.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And like, I couldn't, I have a lot of respect for DMS because I, I, I couldn't do it because I was getting, um, frustrated. Mm -hmm. And also Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to build an encounter. Um, I should probably note that at the time that I was DMing this, we had seven players, eight players. And this was the first time I was DMing. Yeah. So everything I was looking at was actually built for like four or five. Yeah. You know, and my husband was like, I, you really need to up this. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. So finally the very last encounter I made for them, I finally built it for that many players. And, um, it was just, it was so much extra and I would get a, a little bit frustrated. I, I don't know if other ADHD people have this, but we, we like to have things go exactly as we've planned. Mm -hmm. because otherwise everything falls apart and so when they are almost walking by this villain that i've spent 20 hours preparing i'm like no wait you can't no like (laughs) uh you know that kind of that kind of feeling i I have a lot of respect for dms and I, i really don't like it when people say um you know that the dm is is out to do something bad like, the DM is looking to TPK the party. Yeah. I don't know a single DM who is looking to do that.
1: I think we all joke. I think, I think, I think the truth of the matter is all DMs joke about that. And it's like, it's like oh, yeah, this, this is the one today, guys. <laughs> but I think when it comes down to it, like, and I know some, some DMs do this, some don't, some fudge dice rolls, some don't. But if it came down to it, even in the encounter that they built, that is like borderline, like you guys are like fighting for your lives here. If the dice were to sway in the negative way, I promise you a DM will will 100% feel bad at minimum, but they will definitely do everything that they can to make this an enjoyable experience for you guys. It's like, it's so rare. You're so right. It's so rare. The DM sits there and goes, cause what pleasure is it from killing the party? Like, also that's, that's the other thing. What what does anyone gain from that moment? Like, I understand why like, you know, there, there needs to be consequences to actions. I get that. But also like, what do we gain from having a dead party now? In, in <laughs> I mean, there 100%
2: needs cults. to be consequences. Like, okay. I can't yeah. stand it when people are like, oh, well, you know, the DM's being mean just because I cast fireball in a wooden house doesn't mean that it's going to burn down. I'm like, no, it, it, it absolutely is going to burn down, mm, you yeah. know? And It took me a few sessions. Um, Like, my husband is very, he's a wonderful DM, creates wonderful stories, and also believes in consequences. Nice. Mm -hmm. You know, and sometimes people take that as, oh, he's being vindictive. He's not being vindictive. He's pointing out that, you know, you've just made a decision to do something that is going to affect everything else that that comes afterwards mm. you know and he has well no he did kill one of us but not permanently um <laughs> uh, yet uh but like go back and watch um the episode where Molly dies spoiler yeah. alert sorry um, <laughs> uh, look at Matt's face when he rolls the dice he this can't is, not
0: Yeah, but it's super important, right? Because as, so I'm from the player side, Mm -hmm. it is really, I think it compromises the whole experience. If you're saying to yourself and maybe even saying to other players, we're not going to get killed or you just won't let it happen. You know, that is not a great mindset to be in. Like we were just, we just did a session uh, last week where I was part of the design of it as well, where like there's rules in the city you can't just go around killing people in the city because then at some point now, you're just like on the run the whole time. Like there's real consequences. And if you don't take those as, as serious consequences, then it kind of, it diminishes the, the creation of that environment, that the realism of that environment, even though it's a fantasy environment, mm. um, becomes compromised if some of these actions that you're taking, you feel like, well, yeah, okay, there's some consequences, but I'll never die for that. You know
1: and furthermore, I think some people will do this thing where uh, a lot of players especially when you start out playing, some players get into the mindset of, I need to win I need to be the hero I need to be the Aragon who you know becomes the next king and you know takes over the world you know whatever but really the truth is you don't need to be the hero every time like I, I like some of my favorite moments in all of like d history is like watching Grog like make stupid mistakes, you know, watching, you know. The like final
2: the- scene pulling from the deck of many when
1: everything was <laughs> sorted. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's one of those things where you're just like, and I think players really come into their own when they realize, and like you said, not only is there consequences to actions, but we as humans make bad decisions. We as elves and dwarves and orcs, And any other race you want to be also make bad decisions so it's okay for your player to fall over a twig every now and then and to you know and to go the wrong direction and give the wrong piece of information to do this and do that and to charge in without thinking about it because you're feeling emotional or whatever you know and i think that's another big mindset shift that happens at some point for players and i think when you truly become that person who is like okay I understand that this character is a living being and thus makes mistakes. And I'm going to make a like 10%, 20% mistakes out of the hundred percent of time I'm doing this, you know, or purposefully make a mistake. Obviously, the dice can allow for other things to happen, but you know, I'm purposefully gonna make this mistake because it is in line with what I would do. And it's in line with, you know, oh, I'm angry. So yeah, I am gonna charge in. Like, of course I'm going to. You just Offended my girlfriend, sir. Like, how dare you? And, you know, and, you know, whatever it might be. So Mm -hmm. I think that whole dynamic of consequences, not only for the DM causing to the the player, but the player in making your decisions going, even if I make a bad decision here, does the concept like, are those consequences worth the role play? And if it's like, yes, then go for it. Like, definitely go for it.
0: You know, it's almost like I think we just had a full circle moment where I mean we're talking about just for our own personal development being able to be vulnerable enough in real life but how important is that like when you're playing Dungeons and exactly. Dragons as well right it's, exactly it, and, and, and by the way those moments in like in real life in Dungeons and Dragons are better like right you get more of a payoff during the moments where you know you're more vulnerable the 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 emotions are more it's real
2: interesting it is it's just it's, it's- there's like the human
0: mind connects with it a little bit more. It's more attractive to see, to watch.
2: Imperfections yeah. are what make a character, a character, you know, exactly. and D and D to be honest is pretty forgiving in, in the aspect of if you screw up, you know, unless you're in a situation where you've just downed yourself in front of the bad guy. Um, you, like let's take it's the witcher be, rpg it's gonna like it's not going to be fatal
0: like it's not a no. fatal mistake you they'll be you'll be able to figure out a way through that that very rarely position. is it a
2: permanently fatal mistake in D. yeah
0: yeah
2: that being said um <laughs> i've worked with artelsorian a lot um we've done some really amazing charity games of the witcher um including one where matt played dandelion and of course doug came on to play Geralt, and um the charity games are usually pretty light and fun you know mm. but when i did a witcher campaign the thing with the witcher and cyberpunk um there is no resurrection nice none i say nice zero yeah. and the world of the witcher is very unforgiving mm. and the tabletop almost more so <laughs> you make a mistake and like you actually have a reputation score in the witcher
1: Mm. oh wow a notoriety kind of kind of
2: you like like Geralt's always called the butcher of blaviken when you're walking around and of course the horrific part about that is he didn't actually that's not how it happened but that's also how notoriety works
3: yeah
2: Mm. the whole you know a lie can run around the world before the truth gets its boots on kind of thing yeah and like when we were doing character building for for the Witcher campaign I did I made an actual choice to tie someone up and I'm not going to get too graphic here because there's usually trigger warnings on the Witcher because it's very it can get very graphic. I made a choice to tie someone up in a building and then set the building on fire. Right. 100%. He deserved mm. it. <laughs> but Two-faced as a consequence, style. yeah, as a consequence, Everywhere I went, I didn't get a warm reception. I got an even Mm. colder reception than most witchers would, Mm. because the DM would roll to see if they'd heard of me. Yeah, you know, and yeah, it's really it's really an interesting thing. And cyberpunk as well. You know, you make a mistake in cyberpunk, and that's it. You know, you don't get there's not a lot of second chances.
1: Yeah, Mm. and you know, it it makes that it makes that like like we said that consequent and it also means strategy becomes a whole lot more important everyone starts being like right i'm about to die someone needs to come sort this out this is a problem guys like and the team starts banding together a lot more cooperatively as opposed to being like cool well i'm worrying about what my spells are doing well you're taking your turn kind of thing you know and, and doing yeah. that you're like right okay so what are you doing okay well to link with that i'm gonna just yeah okay, which comes
2: yeah. back to active listening Yeah. <laughs> It comes back to active listening and the game my husband homebrewed um, that we're playing right now uses an active battle system. It doesn't use a turn-based uh, initiative order.
3: Okay. He presents
2: you with the scenario, you have about a minute to talk about it with your cohorts and say, this is what I'm going to do. And then he rolls the dice and makes the scenario play out.
0: Wow. Well, and you know it makes that- you think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly. Awesome. Your strategy on the front end. So that that kind of brings me to a question, and it's you know to different degrees that it, it, it's relevant. It just depends what the relevance is at any given point. But this notion of the pace of D and D, and you mentioned when you were a DM, you were doing it for seven ish players. um What's your take on on that? On you know the pace of combat, the pace of especially in a in an entertainment type vehicle, whether it's a streaming vehicle or something like that. Is it on your mind? Is it presently on your mind when you're playing? Is it just something that you leave behind and you're just kind of playing the game?
2: No, I, I think that it's one of those things where you have to be running two trains of thought in your head. Yeah. <laughs> it's where being ADHD comes in very helpful um, <laughs> because you have to be running the, the, the train that your character is thinking as they observe the situation. Mm -hmm. and you also have to be running the train of this is the action i'm planning or at least this is how i do it this is the action i'm planning this Mm. is my backup action in case the person before me does something that ruins the action i was going to take okay because it's almost like standing in line at a mcdonald's and the person's been standing in line for 15 minutes and then when they get up to the menu it's oh what do i want like
3: yeah
2: you've had 15 minutes (laughs) you know um, you should always have like a, a, a backup plan mm. and they should always make sense with your character and always make sense with your team and the motivations of your team and everything else. Um, because even an antagonistic character um, has to be able to play nice with the team. Yeah. And by play nice, I mean, just let the pace go. Yeah. You know, um, nothing is worse than dead space Mm -hmm. on a stage and i don't mean silence Mm. because silence can be extremely important in any kind of performance you know in in opera a lot of times we say that the rest is almost more important than the music because of how how it works especially like somebody like mozart they're very deliberate with how they do it and Mm. why it's there so but dead space is different than silence And the last thing you want is to have this super fast paced battle and then you get to you and go, Oh, well, I was going to do that, but then they ruined it. Yeah. You know, you you just don't do it. It, It's not great.
0: (laughs) There's so it seems like, and I know there's different sort of expectations or protocol in a family or a local game, but I'm wondering, are there different expectations or protocol and let's call it a pro game? I don't know if that's the right def- definition, but, um, you know, when you are in a situation where you it. are...
1: <laughs> Frozen arms. I love <laughs> yeah. it. I love it.
0: Um, you know, because, like, in a home game, if, it, if there's a round of combat, you know, while someone is possibly thinking because they've spaced out or whatever, there's a side conversation going on, potentially, that, you know, is is to some degree allowed. In a, in a real a streaming game or something like that, there is a different expectation. Do you Do you feel like there's a different a set of protocol or expectation that other players have of you to be part of that game
2: i would say that sometimes when going into a charity game um with like people that have bid to be at the table or something there is an expectation and that that comes around to a topic um that's super important in the entire industry which is parasocial relationships but um i feel that the expectations are slightly higher Mm -hmm when there's more visibility Mm -hmm. and you can't really make mistake i mean you can make mistakes Mm -hmm. but if you make a mistake you're going to have to be prepared for the consequences of that and not just as a character but as a player yeah you know you're going to have egg on your face if you try to say something and it's literally something someone just said and you weren't paying attention
3: yeah yeah
2: Yeah. the only time a, a scene I'm telling on myself here, I'm gonna get in trouble. The only time I won't pay attention to a scene is if it's something my character's not supposed to know.
3: Nice. Mm.
2: Love it. Because that way I'm not tempted to metagame it. Yeah. Which is always a temptation for everybody. And also on stream, a lot of times where I'm, uh, many of the players are wearing yet another hat, and that Mm -hmm. is moderating the chat. Right. So, cause the chat can get pretty bonkers. Unruly. <laughs> a bit unruly. Yeah. yeah. yeah you know, yeah, um, the occasional, you know, dirty joke, that's fine. We're making them too. But, you know, <laughs> but, don't start objectifying the players because I will ban you yeah. 100%. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think there is a higher expectation um, and not just from other people, but I think we expect more of ourselves.
1: Mm, okay. Yeah. Do you know, and I, I think that's really fair. I think, you know, uh, and, and at the end of the day, you know, it is a performance. We're talking about, you mm-hmm. know, you enjoying something with some friends or, you know, it, with some colleagues, you know, or whatever, you know, at the end of the day, it is a performance. And like you said, you know, if you fumble a line on stage or someone says their line and then you either miss it or you say a previous line, because you weren't listening or engaged or like you said, active listening,
3: Mm-hmm.
1: It's a big issue, and it, it comes across, and you have to deal with those consequences. So, I think. And and do you know what something that I I saw recently? I can't remember what DM I saw do this. I know a lot of DMS do this, but I, I saw a specific one because the term he uses "you're on deck" was the term that he uh, Matt uses.
2: does that one. Is Matt it Matt, you're on deck. Matt? Matt says, yeah, okay. you know, like you know, Scanlon, You're on deck or whatever, meaning Which the next means, person up.
1: Yeah, I was I was gonna say I, I get your shit together. Yeah. because we're mm-hmm.
3: gonna be with you in a second. Exactly. So, so be
1: ready exactly and i i was like i was like that's that's freaking awesome um mm-hmm. and i was like that's a really good way to keep you know everyone in in the headspace and keep it even because dude i mean again we're all we're all human and we all have you know averagely people have 20 minute attention spans before they you know take. wow really trigger. yeah that's yeah that's the average. 20 minutes yeah, yeah.
2: that's a long time
1: yeah yeah well it's it's meant to be that you can focus fully on something for 20 minutes give it your all and then you have to have like a little break before you can i have an attention span of like
2: a sugared up labrador puppy so it's
1: It's like oh chewing thing Oh, another chewing thing i (laughs) I, I
2: explain explain it to people um i had to come up with some way to kind of express Mm. what it's like Um, and there's a lot of neurodivergent people in performing arts and in streaming and tabletop and yeah. all that um but it's like if you've ever been to i don't know do they have best buy in the uk i don't think they do we
0: know it we know it. yeah We're yeah i mean but i'm We're just i was trying it. to yeah, think yeah.
2: of something something comparable and i couldn't yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's called
1: curries here yeah it's called curries. <laughs> curries that's right curries.
2: okay yeah, yeah. um so inside my head at any given time it's like the wall of tvs at best mm-hmm. buy but they're all yeah. in a different channel and I have uh, lost the remote control. It okay. is not present. So <laughs> um, it's, it's, it becomes it really, like I said, it's an active process to pay attention and you have to do something that you know is going to make sense for your character, Mm -hmm. that you know is not going to screw someone else over like don't be that vindictive player who's like oh i know that this person is waiting to use their big ability for the first time ever so i'm going to make sure they can't (laughs) don't do that yeah no one likes it you're Mm. not cool you're not edgy (laughs) (laughs) you're being a dick you know (laughs) um so but i agree that having someone nudge you to say Hey, it's your turn next. Just so it's you know, it's kind of a good idea because yeah. otherwise, you you can get lost. Like I get lost in watching my teammates describe what they're doing. Yeah, because yeah. I play with some amazing, amazing actors and players, mm. and I'm sitting here like,
3: hmm. <laughs> <laughs> your turn and, now Kelly, and they're like,
2: oh, oh. Um, and of course that's not saying it's why I rolled a gunslinger because all I can do is cast bullet but um, (laughs) possibly possibly uh, a little bit um, although I'm pretty lucky I uh, it's not a big secret because our stats are up on the screen Um, but I got really lucky because Matt based all of the uh, gunslinger stuff on Mm. their decks yeah for the first time in my life I rolled a base 17.
1: Wow. <laughs>
0: I have a plus
2: nine to hit.
1: <laughs> you're like, you're like, Oh, all I need to do is roll about 11 and up and you're. F- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And
2: see, the thing is uh, because of that, it actually comes back around to DMS and how you can creatively solve things. I mean, we're level five. That's mm. a huge, you know, that's a huge advantage for someone at level five. Yeah. So Gil and I sat down and um if anybody's ever read the the wild mount campaigns the way the exandrian pistol works um is that it misfires every gun has a misfire yeah. score
3: mm.
2: so for the exandrian pistol which is like the base early level it's a one you roll an at one your gun misfires you have to take an action to fix it yeah gill said okay you have these amazing stats but your character also built this gun herself off something she read your gun now misfires misfire. on a one and a two
1: Mm. nice okay cool amazing
2: you know and that kind yeah. of gives a little more impetus like i'm not just going now yeah, whatever i'm gonna hit him anyway yeah it makes yeah. you think about your your actions a little bit more because you're like well if i do misfire then i'm gonna to have to use this secondary action to do that then yeah. i have to plan that you know it's it's um and i think on a stream there's a lot more pressure to do it yeah and there's especially when i know it's something that people have like bid money on or donated to or whatever Mm. else there's the pressure to make sure you entertain people
3: yeah
0: well this is yeah this is the Mm -hmm. thing isn't it yeah
2: yeah and the pressure can get pretty pretty hefty and and i would caution people to just be real careful about the pedestals you put like personalities that you see playing things Mm. Uh, be very careful about it because no one can ever live up to what you've put them on the pedestal for yeah
3: it's, that's great advice you're just not that's going to advice. yeah
2: mm-hmm. you create an it's image only- of someone in your mind and it's not the person that you see on the screen it is that's not the entirety of the person
1: yeah you know? it's, it's it's a it's almost like a precursor to the don't meet your heroes but the first part of that is don't put them on a pedestal and if you do don't meet your heroes <laughs> is like the first part of that you know um but i, I wanted to actually mention something because you kind of describe like what um what adhd feels like and mm-hmm. interestingly um i i have like quite bad dyslexia
3: mm-hmm.
1: um and um, a little bit on the spectrum kind of thing and i went to a school for kids with mm-hmm. I, I we call it learning difficulties here in the uk i'm not entirely sure i'm just learning. i'm so
2: happy that all of these these options exist now i'm so happy all these yeah
1: it, absolutely like and and I went to school like half of my friend my best friend has severe ADHD like ex- extremely severe ADHD and I think the way you described it I've never heard anyone describe that mm. in that way and I, I was just thinking while you were saying that like I can't describe to anyone what dyslexia feels like. Mm-hmm. And I've never heard anyone describe what their like mental, their their, their learning difficulty as, as we call them here. I don't know what you would mm-hmm. class ADHD as, but- um, It's a, it's a really neurodivergence.
2: Describe... It's not, cause it's not technically a mental illness. Yeah, you know, like the, it's because, neurodivergence, yeah. I love yeah, it. Yeah, like I have ADHD, um, yeah. con- uh, uh, I can't remember the whole, they have a long clinical term for the type yeah. I have. Um, and then I have clinical depression. One is a neurodivergence. One is a mental illness, Yeah. you know? Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's, a, it's a, both mental health kind of things, but there's yeah. a very big difference, but yes, please continue. I love this.
1: No. And uh, I, I just, I've never heard anyone describe it in that way. I've never heard anyone be able to vocalize that. I appreciate that you have spent time thinking about how to vocalize to mm-hmm. people, what the is going on in your head? Because for me, like to describe as a dyslexic, you know, like <laughs> Tom's not dyslexic. My mom is. And so for me to go, you know, when I look at a piece of paper and it's got like a, uh, uh, like, for example, if I take one that has a, like a a column list or it Mm -hmm. grows in columns, you know, it's got a table on it. I cannot look at something here and find it here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I lose, I lose it in the lines Mm -hmm. or like I flip words around things. And describing that to someone is so hard and so complex, and I, I've never spent time of thinking of putting it into a good analogy. But I just want to say I really appreciated that analogy. That was it's it's made me look at ADHD in a very interesting way. That and I've lived with, you know, my school was a boarding school, so uh-huh. I lived with my brothers and and my friends that are my, you know, that have ADHD and are on the spectrum, have autism and things like that. Uh-huh. And um, so no, yeah, it gave me a really nice insight. So thank you for sharing. I really really I, appreciate.
2: That. I, I'm I'm glad that. I'm glad that it's that helpful. Like I had to learn to do it because we had gifted classes, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, my mm-hmm. um, <laughs> because like my parents tried to get me like uh, in the first grade when they saw that I was getting I was getting in trouble because I was finishing things mm. and I was bored. Yeah, and I'm ginger and ADHD. Both of these are bad combinations for boredom. Mm. Completely. Um, (laughs) And so they were pushing. They were like, look, she's in first grade. Socially, now is when you should push her up a grade. Mm. Because it's going to be much less effective to the social standing if she moves up now. Yeah. My first grade teacher was a teacher who believed that the goal of a teacher was to make children conform. To make them learn. That they were Mm. supposed to do what they were told
3: Mm.
2: so everybody else signed off on this and she fought she fought my mom in fact she told my mom and my dad that uh if they gave in to me i was going to grow up to be like al capone really what in all fairness i have always paid my taxes
0: (laughs) (laughs) otherwise there are some slight similarities
3: (laughs)
2: <laughs> but yeah and and as a consequence they didn't skip me until the end of third grade skipping fourth into fifth socially disaster
1: yeah like, you're like 12 comp- tw- it's not 12 13 for you I guys was, i was, was nine. Oh, no, i was not yeah.
2: yeah and then yeah. i it, i was going up into classes with like 11 and 12 year olds wow that's a huge social difference yeah yeah you know so i found that Because of this and because ADHD wasn't understood and everything else, I had to come up with ways to verbalize it Mm
3: -hmm.
2: because I was so very lucky in my parents that they both fought. Like they, they, if, if the school wasn't going to do it, they were going to help me at home. And one of the ways to help me was for them to understand what it was like. And it's interesting that you used um, the dyslexia and how you can't describe it, because like my husband's MS. The way it hit him on his first attack, um, it permanently damaged his optic nerve on his right side. Mm. There's a reason his nickname is Pirate Jesus, because he wears an eye patch, he has long hair and a beard,
3: <laughs>
2: and he walks an eight and a half wow. pound shih tzu, but whatever. Um,
0: can we can we use that term and create an NPC? Because that sounds pretty fucking awesome. I mean, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Justin,
2: Justin would be uh, highly amused by it. But um, so the way it works is, you know, people assume, oh, you know, you can't see. Mm -hmm. He can see. If he takes the eye patch off, he gets two images and one just starts drifting downwards. Mm. So what what I find interesting about you saying you can't describe it is that in the UK, about three years ago, uh, they opened up a cafe, a limited run cafe, where all of the menus and everything were made to be slightly blurry and move a little bit interesting Hmm. everything was the floor was slightly warped Mm. it was to make people understand what someone with ms might be dealing with because a lot of people say well you don't look disabled yeah yeah you know the one i always got was well you seem normal yes it's 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 normal to have a neurodivergence Mm. it's it's whatever the given value of normal is which is not a great term anyway what's normal normal is boring Um, but, you know, so it's a matter of learning how to verbalize something, but also if you don't understand it, that's okay. You Mm. cannot understand how someone sees the world and still Mm. say, I want to help you see the world better. You know, I want to support you. I want to understand. And uh, again, no one owes you their story. But if you have a good friend who like in your case is ADHD, you know, I've got a friend, a very, very dear friend who's autistic. And I have to, I have to really think because my immediate reaction to a lot of things is sarcasm. You know? mm. And if I say something sarcastic, it can really send them into a panic because they don't understand all the time what sarcasm is, yeah. you know? And, I think it makes you a better person when you try to understand other people yeah, and realize that not everybody thinks like you. Yeah. Which works damn. at the table also. <laughs> <laughs> damn.
1: Damn, damn, damn. And you know what? That was such a beautiful, beautiful piece of monologue and dialogue for <laughs> you there. And, and I, I've just got to say, and we'll, we'll begin to wrap it up on that amazing note. What, what an amazing way to end this guys, try and understand people more because guess what? In, in the long run, not only will it make you a better person, but it'll help you understand yourself as well. It will. And, uh, and Kelly, thank you so much. This has not only been a super enriching conversation, this has been delightful to spend time with you, to get to know you, and, and furthermore, uh, to give us an insight behind the amazing actress that we see on the screen. <laughs> um, and, and we just really, really appreciate you coming on and, and taking the time with us today. Uh, I want to pass it over to you. Uh, feel free to shout out anything you want to shout out, your, your, your social medias, any projects you're working on, anything you've got going on. Um, personal things if you want to do personal things we've had, we've had some random ones so go for it tell, tell I am, I am the
2: queen of lot. random um <laughs> as evidenced by the fact that I have multiple crowns within reach as well as a hey hey screaming chicken that I could have brought on at any given time um yes yeah, so I mean you can follow me pretty was much everywhere out? It,
3: it's one of them I mean that's actually
2: that gif was the first gif that ever went viral someone made a gif of me holding that hey hey chicken
3: <laughs> it's great
2: um but uh I'm, I'm most everywhere as the opera geek um except youtube where someone got it first and uh <laughs> so i'm kelly the opera geek there um most of my social media you can actually kind of converge on twitter and i'll post mm-hmm. there and then i'll kind of aggregate it to other social media mm-hmm. um i find that Twitter's a really great way to get things out fast so yeah. Uh, Being that I do, like most performers, uh, have a day job. And in my case, a couple of them. Um, You know, my streaming schedule isn't standard. So Mm -hmm. just watch the Twitters. You'll see when I go live. I'm going to start Assassin's Creed Odyssey today. I'm going to see how that goes.
3: Nice. Yes.
2: Yes. Um, College of the Opera, still on DMs Guild. Um, Buy it. Oh, yeah. By the way, uh, (laughs) Die Hard Dice. I just released a collaboration with Die Hard Dice. Oh, nice.
3: Um,
2: which was, hold on, I actually, I have it right here. I have it in the fancy, the fancy, fancy thing. Yeah, so, oh gosh. Yeah, this is the new uh, Enchanted Aria dice. Oh, wow. And wow. it is comes black painted. black black? No, it's, hmm, it's green.
0: Oh, it's green, oh, I got it, I got you, I got you. Green Lovely. and copper. Wow.
2: And the painted version is called Enchanted Aria, and the unpainted version is a really nerdy music joke because it's called Enchanted Cadenza because it's unfinished, like a cadenza um nice. but uh yeah those um i have the dice spell books with bard and barbarian so if you get the aria dice they've worked really well with college of the opera spell books um nice. other than that you know everything's pinned on twitter and uh that's pretty much it that's that's me amazing random. this has
1: been this I has thought. been such an honor to spend time with you to get to know you uh, and Again, to 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 pull the curtain back on someone who we've watched from afar. Um, thank you so so much for for coming on, Bring bringing your lovely pooch with you. Tell as well. me look he doesn't look, look,
2: look like, like. Tell me he doesn't look like the drunk that is like last call <laughs> at a bar.
1: He kind of staggers there. He's like, oh, one he more. He needs fight. a haircut.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, if you order the dice, you also get a sticker of him. Oh. they made a sticker of him asking for treats which is pretty <laughs> adorable <laughs> hey if Oops. I has some reason to get the dice i don't know what is
1: i know <laughs> um, but no it was thank lovely you so thank so you much.
2: so much for having me I, this was really fun it was great Thanks,
1: Kelly. Absolute pleasure and uh we'll, we'll chat to you again soon All right this has been homie and the dude father and son podcast do the holy trinity for us guys Hit us up with like and follow on facebook subscribe on youtube and uh head on over to twitter and, uh, and follow us over there, guys. It's the best place to stay up to date with what we're doing as well. Just like Kelly, uh, it's where you'll find us most active. So thank you so much for watching today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Later, guys. Thanks, Kelly. All right. We're chugging through. We're loving doing this stuff for you guys. Um, if you want to support us, if you want to make sure that we can keep getting, you know, better quality set, better quality lights, make the filming better, Bigger Um, bigger batteries for the camera. Bigger batteries for the camera. (laughs) Yes! You know, all that kind of stuff. Um, You can do that by just liking, following the page, and subscribing to the YouTube channel. That is what really makes a difference to us.